0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I am your host. Once again, I'm flying solo this evening. Jeff is very busy with Comic-Con-related stuff, and he should be back next week. That's the current plan. I, uh, we'll know next week for sure if something changes. All right, on the agenda this evening, last night, UFC on ESPN4, pretty big dud dud of a card. Uh, we'll go over all of that, more or less. Um, oof, that was a dog, man. That was a dog of a card to get through in some respects. Uh, next week, we have UFC 240, so there will be a full preview of that. And some news, because there was news. Um, some weird... one, One's a couple of weeks old, but I didn't talk about it when it happened, because... Last week's show ran long anyway, and I didn't really want to go further talking about this particular bit of weirdness, but I should have plenty of time to get into it a little bit this evening, and some good A fight got made that, oh yes, just gimme, give gimme give all of that fight, uh, so again, you know, some of the major news items of the last week we'll be touching on, uh, alright, that's everything as far as the setup goes. So, UFC on ESPN4. Oh, boy. All right. Um, The main event was good. The main event was a pretty solid fight. Uh, Leon Edwards defeats Rafael Dos Anjos via unanimous decision. Uh, 150-45, which I think is wrong. Uh, I think at a minimum, Dos Anjos gets the fifth round. And 49-46 twice. I actually also gave Dos Anjos the second, which I'm not sure. Again, doing it live, I, I don't know. I was kind of okay with it, but after the fact, I kind of replaying that round in my head. I don't really have any issue with it. Go- I, even live, I didn't have an issue with it going to Edwards. Um, this is Leon Edwards' eighth win in a row, and he's beat some tough guys to get there, man. I mean... He's only got two losses in the UFC. One was a split decision in his debut against Claudio Silva. And the other was four years ago... Okay, not quite four years. Three and a half. Against Kamaru Usman. Who just beats everybody. I mean... He doesn't get a lot of finishes, but... He's beat a pretty... A very respectable level of opposition... I mean his last 3 wins are Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson and now RDA. Like that's a that's a great 3-fight stretch, much less the last 3 is part of 8. I mean again, really great really great run from Edwards. He continues to be a really dangerous clinch striker. The way he elbows coming out of the break on a clinch, uh, he sliced open dos Anjos's right eyebrow pretty badly he's really good at that. He game plans very well. I mean, when he fought Cerrone, he was just ready for everything Cerrone brought. I mean, pretty much all of it. Uh, Part of that's because Donald Cerrone is... uh, I hate to say this because it might be... It's not intended as an unkind thing, but Cerrone's a pretty finished product. And he's kind of an open book at this point. He fights a lot. And he doesn't... He's added a few minor wrinkles to his game over the last couple of years, but he's not... A lot of his habits at this point are just kind of his habits, you know? And here, he just was very ready to... He said something interesting in the post-fight show, or in his post-fight interview, that I did not... I had not considered all that much personally. That Dos Anjos is not very good at coming from behind. If you can get him behind a couple of rounds or even a rounder and a three-rounder, that tends to be it. He's not good at really kind of overcoming. He's kind of a front-runner in that respect. And it's not that he gets completely defeated and stops trying if he's down, but he doesn't have a very good history of being down, coming back, and winning. That's... And... I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a mental thing maybe that's just kind of the way his skill set eh, currently exists i couldn't tell you for sure which one but it was an interesting observation and one that i hadn't considered all that much so i think it bears considering especially since at this point dos anjos is 40 some odd fights into his career Now, this was his 41st fight and he's 34 years old yeah, it's uh he's in a rough spot stra- he's in a rough spot actually i mean he's 1 and 3 in his last four and again level of opposition matters but at the same time you got to win some of these fights he lost i mean he's lost to colby covington kamaru usman and leon edwards and those are top shelf guys one of them's the champion one of them's by all rights the number one contender And one of them, Leon Edwards is probably on the best, he and Usman, I mean Usman's on a better overall run than Edwards, but Edwards is probably on, again, the second best run in the division. So, again, losing to those guys is not necessarily a call for retirement or removal from the UFC, but he might have peaked. And I've said before that I think Dos Anjos is one of those all-time greats who's Everyone's gonna forget about. He's just going to constantly be overlooked. He's gonna constantly be forgotten. I mean, again, he's he is one of the all time great lightweights. I maintain that. Not the greatest, but I mean his run up until he up until he lost the belt was pretty absurd. I mean, he knocks out George... Okay, so this isn't his entire UFC run. But coming off the Clay Guida loss where, he, where his jaw was broken, knocks out George Sotteropoulos in a bit of an upset and really kind of derailed all the momentum Sotteropoulos had. I remember that. Drops a split decision to Glace and Tebow that could have gone his way. Proceeds to win, what, five in a row? Yeah, beats Kamal Shaloris, Anthony Jaquani, Mark Bocek, Evan Dunham, and Donald Cerrone. Loses to Khabib. Goes on another winning streak, knocking out Jason High, knocks out Benson Henderson, stomps Nate Diaz. I mean, that was a one-sided shellacking. Beats Anthony Pettis to become champion. Uh, Stops Cerrone in the first round to defend it. I mean, that's a heck of an 11-fight stretch. And, again, it's kind of unfortunate that he does not get a lot of the credit he deserves for being, I don't know, a technician more than a really exciting guy, but it's a shame because, again, I think he's an all-time great, but he's also, again, I don't think we're going to see him fight for the belt anymore. He can probably still compete, you know, in the top 15 or so at Welter. Wait, let me bring up the rankings here, actually. Uh, This was also one of the first times that I thought RDA really looked... I mean, he was visibly smaller against Robbie Lawler, don't get me wrong, and against, you know, Usman and Covington as well. But something about the way this fight played out, um, he really looked the smaller man here. But yeah, looking at the rankings here... Um, I mean, he could very easily compete with, you know, Damian Maya, Neil Mag. He already beat Neil Magny, but... There's a lot of guys in that division he can still compete with and probably beat, but... He might be slowing down a bit in terms of some of his reaction time. Not his his cardio. His cardio is about as good as it ever was. But, I don't know, he just... He doesn't look worn, you know, shop-worn as far as fighters go to me, but he's... Given the years, given the miles, I think there might be a bit of slowage. If that's even a word. And... I mean, Welterweight is very clearly not his division. You know, he's had some success there, but you stack him next to some of those guys, and it's very, very obvious. I mean, he was like six inches shorter than uh, Leon Edwards, and Edwards did an exceptional job of keeping him at the end of his punches so that he'd land, and then RDA's counters would fall short uh, constantly. That was a big problem for Dos Anjos in this fight. Was finding a way to try to mitigate that, you know, the distance there, and he never really got a handle on it. I think. Uh, as for Edwards, um, you know, solid win, eight in a row, second main event win. I don't think they'll give him the title shot yet, and I don't think he he called out Jorge Masvidal after that altercation he and Masvidal had earlier this year. And Mosfidal does not seem interested. Uh, Mosfidal said he's got a title shot lined up after knocking out Ben Askren the way he did. And he's content to wait for it. If that's true, good for him. I mean, go for it, man. (laughs) Take your shot. So it does... I don't know. I don't know what you do with Edwards next. If... Because, again, you're not... He's unlikely to get the next title shot. He's unlikely to get the guy he'd really, he really kind of called out. So I don't know, uh, but Walter welterweight needs to get moving. I mean, we've got Covington and Lawler coming up in a couple of weeks, and you've got now three guys who could be in the title picture. You have Mosfidal. You have Covington, assuming he beats Lawler. And you have Leon Edwards. I mean, that's... You really should not have that many possible contenders. There, there should be a slightly better clip of you know the belt being defended. I mean... I don't think Usman's defended it yet, has he? No, he won it... Um, in fairness, he won it in March of this year. So, I'm, this isn't on him. But there's... I mean, Woodley had some injuries. He had some inactivity, and that allowed parts of the division to kind of logjam. Yeah. Peace. Uh Unfortunate, but it does happen from time to time. Hopefully, now we can kind of get it get the get the division moving again because too much longer and we'll have another couple of guys kind of knocking their banging their heads onto the ceiling with a few other guys waiting for shots and that's that's not a good spot but that was a solid enough main event uh all right co-main event Walt Harris defeats Alexio Linick via knockout uh punch off of a flying knee 12 seconds into the first round um Look, Olenek has a lot of years and a lot of miles. The man has what seventy fights? Seventy-one fights? Jeez. And he's not a young man. I mean, he's forty two. And you get longer careers at heavyweight, fine. Benefits of heavyweight, I suppose. But that's two losses in the first round and two finishes via strikes in a row. Um I don't know. Certainly, I think he's probably done fighting at the very top of the division. Uh, might get some more opportunity, Again, there's plenty of guys coming up. He could probably still beat, but Walter seems to have really, really found his stride at the moment, and I think he's due a much more higher, a much higher profile opponent next. Uh, let's see. Where, who should he fight? How did I look? At, get looking at this. Why was he only fourteenth? I mean, there's at least three of these guys above him coming off of losses or serious layoffs. He should be above Blagoj Ivanov, for example. Or probably Abdurahimov. I mean, too many people use rankings as, well, who would win in a fight? Now, look, he should probably be above Cain Velasquez. Not because I think he would beat Cain Velasquez, but because he's in a more deserving... He's in a higher position in the contendership queue than Kane. Ugh. I don't know who does these rankings, but they're terrible at their job. Alright, next up. Uh, Greg Hardy defeated Juan Adams via TKO 45 seconds into the first round. They split some jabs because they're crappy heavyweights, and neither of them understands the fundamentals <laughs> of head movement. Uh... Adams tries a single leg, but gets kind of shucked off at an angle, winds up flattened out on a hip. Greg Hardy starts punching him in the side of the head. Adams gets stuck on his hip for a while, gets up to his knees, but has no drive, and just hangs out on his knees getting punched in the head. And the referee tells him to move at least once, might have been twice, then the ref waves it off. Adams was initially pretty pissed, but has since apologized. Uh said, "You know, I took too many to the head and my emotions got the best of me." Fair enough, happens. Um look, this was low-level heavyweight MMA. I don't know what you want me to say. Um Greg Hardy's going to stick around. Uh you know, there was a point that was brought up and I think it's valid that the MMA fan base has an appetite for people like Greg Hardy especially in the UFC or for at least a couple of fights provided a few conditions are met I mean CM Punk was kind of the same way you know the first time he fought um sure it was a stupid sideshow and it ended badly and quickly and I thought it was a giant waste of time but whatever That's just me. By the time his second fight came around and he had not improved as a fighter, the fan base, instead of, you know, not wanting to see the pro wrestler in the cage, kind of went, okay, you really suck, go away. And if Greg Hardy does not improve his skill set, if he remains kind of this one-dimensional brawler who's wild and makes... and seems, you know, to not necessarily understand the rules some of the time... He's going to wind up getting, instead of, oh, we hate you, just go away. But he's with a really good team. I mean, Punk was with a good team, too. You know, Rufus Sport's not a... not a, uh, that, That's not a gimmick camp. Rufus Sport's a very good camp. You know, he's with, I think, American Top Team is uh, hardy. So if he's able to actually, you know, demonstrate improved skills... And avoid any giant media circuses. You know, John got away with a lot of that, and even then, a lot of the fan base is not, and will not come back around on John. And Hardy's issues are much more emotionally volatile than John's. Whatever, whatever you think about John, about John Jones, he's you know, not pled guilty to domestic abuse, and uh, so. If Hardy can kind of keep his nose clean, so to speak, demonstrate improvement in his actual in cage abilities, I think he'll... St- he's, he's. This guy's never really going to get cheered. Not for any sustained amount of time. Not for a while, at any rate. And... I mean, again, it, it, with enough time, he might be able to rehab elements of his image. And... I don't know how likely it is, but I am a personal believer in the transformative power of the martial arts so he might become you know, they can make people better assuming it's properly implemented and they're willing to put in the effort and time and you know, the uh, just the discipline it helps instill and as well as the outlet for physical aggression that you can you know if you're a fighter and you're training it's relatively easy to properly mat I shouldn't say easy But realizing, if you have, you know, the self-awareness to realize you're not in a good headspace. Going down to, you know, abuse a heavy bag for half an hour and wear yourself out instead of, you know, abusing a spouse or a loved one. It's a much better thing. So, so do I think he's going to do it? I don't know. I know it's possible. That's what I know, and... When I say I'm rooting for him, that's just to the extent that I think people... We need less people like the person he used to be. For whatever that's worth. Uh, Again, I'm not terribly impressed with the fight itself. It was short, and again, it's low-level heavyweight MMA. Uh, I don't have a whole lot there. Um, Dan Hooker. Ooh, boy. Knocks out James Vick 2 minutes and 33 seconds into the first round with punches. Boy, did this fight need... This card needed this fight. For the record, this card had the first nine fights go the distance. Um, it had ten decisions overall, which ties the overall record for most decisions on a UFC card. Uh, Hooker and Vic was the first finish of the night. Um, Dan Hooker's a really dangerous fighter, man. I mean, he's a very analytical fighter. He's not—he's not the best, um, you know, explosive kind of fighter. That's just not his game, really. He's very good at reading you, at choosing the appropriate weapons based on your reactions, and he's good about having the ability to fight pretty much anywhere. I mean, he's coming off of that bad, lost heads in Barboza, but. I think that's just a bad style matchup as much as anything else. Barboza just... That that really kind of powerful, varied, uh, very, very fast, explosive style of striker is probably going to trouble him a lot, Until he, unless he's able to find something that he's good at that can kind of counteract it. In this instance, he was able to kind of get close to James Vick, and... I mean, the finishing sequence is relatively... I don't want to say simple, because that... I mean, it is simple, but it's not easy. You know, those two things are not the same. He kind of shows... He gets close enough to where he's going to get James Vick to react to what he does. He shows him a bit of an overhand right, or a right hook. And he sees what James Vick does in reaction to that. And it's the same thing he's done the last few times they've kind of engaged. So he shows it again. Vick kind of reaches out to Perry with his left, and his right hand just drops a little bit. I don't know why. It just drops from proper defensive position, which is what Vic saw. So Vic again, kind of faints with the right, gets the reaction, and then comes with a left hook to the jaw that drops him, and he punches him out on the mat. Um, I like Dan Hooker, man. I mean, again, he had the setback to Barboza, but I said... I've said for for the last few fights, actually, I kind of like... I really like what he brings to the cage. He said he wants on the August 5th card, that one in Australia, headlined by Adesanya and Whitaker. Uh, knock on wood for that fight. Because, well, that'll be a great fight. Um, I think Ally Aquinta said on uh, Twitter that he'd be willing to... He, he's down for that fight. And, you know, okay... That's a perfectly acceptable fight. You know, Hooker's probably... He's probably back in the rankings. I think he was ranked when he fought Barboza. Uh, But, I mean, that was his last fight. You know, he took a fair... He took a fair amount of time off, and given the abuse his body went through in that fight, probably for the best. Uh, Where is Iaquinta ranked? Entirely too high at number six. He's uh, so. Hooker's probably going to take over the 15 spot. I mean, again, that fight's fine. If Aya Quinto wants to do it, it works. You know, I, I don't have any complaints about it. All right, next up, Alexander Hernandez defeated Francisco Trinaldo via unanimous decision. 230-27s, 129-28. All right, first things first. Um, I completely disagree with Hernandez winning the fight. I think I scored... Did I score all three? I did not score all three rounds for Trinaldo, but I gave him two. I feel pretty confident in that, quite frankly. Um, that said, this was a relatively low-activity fight. And while I do not agree with Hernandez winning, certainly winning all three rounds. There was there was at least one that I thought was pretty clearly Trinaldo's. I don't agree with him winning all three. The way the fight played out, there's only so much complaining I can do about, you know, Hernandez squeaking out two rounds. Um, not a terribly engaging fight, and it sucks when you have a not engaging fight that then winds up, you know, going the wrong way as far as the decision goes. Uh, kicking off the main card, Andre Arlovski defeated Ben Rothwell via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. This was a rematch 11 years in the making. You want to feel old, everybody? I remember watching their first fight at the first Affliction event. This was Affliction Band back in 2008. Uh, That was the same card that Fedor defeated Tim Sylvia on. Uh, I believe that was your main event. Eleven years later. And Arlovsky was kind of long in the tooth already. Heavyweight, man. Um... This was not a terribly good fight, but Arlovsky used his hand speed, used some straight punches, kept a relatively high pace. It wasn't until the last two minutes or so that he just kind of became dead on his feet, and by that point, Rothwell was dead on his feet. They ended... They spent the last, like, 30 seconds just kind of clinched against the fence, and they weren't doing anything. Like, they were just, okay, we're both dead tired. Let's just hug it out. And we're just going to kind of leave it here for... (laughs) The last 30 seconds. Um, and, I mean, you know, jokes aside, given the pace and the size of those two guys, I I don't really begrudge them that. I was not terribly engaged. But there was a lot of face punching. Uh, Rothwell's face was a mess. <laughs> and, you know, there's a, again, there's a bunch of people who kind of seem to enjoy it, and you know what? Fair play. Um, all right, on the prelims. Alex Caceres defeated Steven Peterson via unanimous decision 30-27. I do not get that 30-27 for Caseras. He spent the entire second half of the first round with his back taken. Come on, people. And 229-28, which I think is probably the correct score. Um Stephen Peterson's footwork is terrible. Uh, Caseras even with a bro- he, he apparently broke his hand on the first left on the first punch he threw, really. Just outmaneuvered Peterson who can't do anything but attack on a straight line. Look, I said before, I don't think Steven Peterson is a UFC-caliber fighter. He gets by a lot because he takes a heck of a punch. And he's got a decent wrestling game, and he's a pretty good back taker. but Caceres' grappling is not exactly an elite-level elite, elite level grappling. He's good enough for a lot of MMA, but you know, being able to out-grapple Caceres in a cage is not... How do I say this? He's the kind of fighter who can be outgrappled by people, especially guys with a wrestling base, without a tremendous amount of resistance. and in fairness to Caceres, he's acknowledged this like this is something he is working on actively, and he, he trains with the he's, he trains out of the lab, and you know, John Crouch is very a uh, very good coach, so you know, this is I'm not trying to be unkind to Alex Caseras in this instance. But that's a pretty documented avenue of attack against him. But yeah, once he was, as long as he was able to stay moving, he just kept hitting Peterson in the face as Peterson kept letting him angle off, and it was the same thing every time. Uh, honestly, Peterson's lack of adaptability is troubling. Uh, Raquel Pennington defeated Irene Aldana via split decision. I disagreed with this, um, but at least one person following along with my coverage did think Pennington won so eh I'm not going to get up in arms about it I thought Aldana won the fight itself was meh um Clidson Abreu defeated Sam Alvey of a unanimous decision 230 27s 129-28 it's a Sam Alvey fight guys what do you want me to say um not a lot that went on here at all um meh Jennifer Maya defeated Roxanne Montefiore via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Maya missed weight for this fight rather badly. She weighed 129 on weigh-in day, which is you know, four pounds above the 125 limit, and since it's non entitled, they give you a whole extra pound, and so she was three pounds above that. That's a pretty significant miss. Now, that's her first miss in her career, but it does bear watching. Uh... I mean, she'd be very. The crazy thing is, like, she's she's not a tall fighter. A lot of her issues are the come from her you know, just her thickness. Sounds that could be mis- that could be construed as very uh, demeaning kind of phraseology. But she's just a. You know, how else do you want me? To, I can throw other words at. her. Like she's stout, solidly built. Like she's not very tall. She's just got a lot of mass, uh, through her shoulders and torso and having getting a handle on that's pretty important because she's not I don't think she's really big enough to compete at bantamweight. I mean, I'm sure she could find some success, but she's she'd be very undersized and that's a that's a pretty big deal. Uh relatively straightforward fight here. Roxanne Modaferi kept walking forward and kind of getting punched on the way in, forcing clinches but was unable to really get takedowns. And Maya, despite kind of everyone talking about her punching, she's not very defensively responsible. She actually does her best work when she's able to kind of anti-grapple in the clinch and then just kind of punish you a little bit here and there. Um, I think the best take on this fight came... I can't remember who who said it on Twitter. I apologize for not remembering, but somebody said, "Yeah, I wonder just how much Valentina Shevchenko chuckles when she looks at the list of rising contenders in her division. Because, uh, yeah. Um, Ray Borg defeated Gabriel Silva v. Unanimous decision, 29 across the board. Um, Borg just kept getting stronger as the fight went on, kept his pace, kept his scramble game. Uh, you know, a much needed win for Borg. Much, much needed win for Borg. Uh, Mario Bautista and defeated Jinsu Son via unanimous decision 30-27 twice won 29-28 this was your fight of the night and deservedly so this was a fun little brawl Uh, Son really needs to kind of up his overall game there's a few things he has to kind of sort out because he's had two fun brawls but he's lost both of them and that's not a good way to start your UFC career and kicking everything off, Felipe Colares defeated Domingo Pilarte via split decision. 2 29-28s for him, one 28 for Pilarte. Um, I think the right guy won, but uh, not a very memorable or inspiring fight out of either guy. And that was it. Um, again, man, that, that fight, that whole card, that was kind of a dog, man. I mean, even it, the hook and vicar fight was fine. It went two and a half minutes. You had a good finish. But even the heavyweight fights, just eh, I don't know, rather unsatisfying. The main event was, again, solid, but unspectacular in a lot of respects. Uh, just, you know, not a very great night. Two events in a row that have just kind of been duds. Uh, not a good thing, but... We do have... Now, again, coming up, we have UFC 240, which at least has a great main event. Uh, main event for that card, Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. They've tried to make this fight a few times before, and it's just never quite come together. Uh, how many times have they tried to make this? I know at least once, because one time when they tried it... Uh, they've each suffered injuries. Again, one of them was Holloway. One of them was the time Holloway had that weird, like, uh, you know, kind of like quasi-concussion symptoms, and then Brian Ortega stepped in and just, you know, blasted Frankie with that uppercut. Uh, was that 218 or 222? No, okay, that uh, 218 was Edgar falling out, and they did the rematch between Holloway and Aldo. And then 2.22 was Edgar falling out. And he got... And Brian Ortega stepped in. And again, knocked him out in the first round. Still, my, still one of my favorite Brian Ortega performances, that knockout of Frankie. So we finally get this fight. And... Uh, I... I'm looking forward to it in a lot of respects. I said the first time they made this that I thought Max would be the first guy to finish Frankie with strikes. First guy to finish Frankie, period, actually, I seem to recall. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I still have no real reason to pick against Max Holloway here. Look, Frankie is a great fighter. He's probably bound for the Hall of Fame. Uh, He's beaten a lot of great guys, but I've really struggled to see him having a lot of sustained success against Max Holloway. Frankie does a lot of trying to (coughs) adjust his his, uh, angle a little bit, but not, he doesn't angle the same way a guy like Holloway, for example, or if you watch boxing, someone like Lomachenko does. He moves around a little bit at distance before attacking kind of on a straight line, trying to find a punching lane. And for a lot of years in MMA, that was enough to really befuddle a significant portion of the fighters. I mean, he did it to Sean Shirk consistently, he did it to BJ Penn. It's just, I don't think it's enough at this point. Uh, He might get maxed down once or twice, but... Max is very hard to take down, and he's very hard to keep down at this point. Uh, I think Holloway stops him. I think he just <clears throat> does a fair amount of damage in the earlier rounds to Edgar's face, and then just as the fight wears on, it keeps accumulating. He probably gets, a, a, again, a late stoppage, fourth or fifth round, but you know, one of those two, He's I think that's when he's going to I think it's just going to wind up being too much for Frankie as time goes on. Uh, Your co-main event, Chris Cyborg, will be fighting Felicia Spencer. This is the last fight on Cyborg's UFC deal, and she's coming off of that loss to Amanda Nunes, in that just absolute gunfight where she was you know completely outmatched in that respect. But hey, Amanda Nunes is the best female fighter in MMA history. What do you want? Uh, Felicia Spencer debuted and beat Megan Anderson. Spencer's undefeated, but, I mean, I, this is a very Cyborg style of fight, and I expect Cyborg to do Cyborg things. Uh, would be a massive upset for Spencer if she could pull it off, though. Uh, A surprisingly good fight, actually, coming up next. Uh, Jeff Neal and Nico Price. Price coming off of that... uh, He knocked out Tim Means. Uh, That was... That was a pretty serious knockout, actually. Uh, Before that, he was knocked out by Abdul Razak al-Hassan. So, Price, again, kind of the... He's from Florida, so I hate to make the Florida man joke, but, you know. And Jeff Neal is a much more polished fighter. Very, very slick with his hands. Uh, has not lost in the UFC yet. Submitted Brian Carmozzi, knocked out Frank Camacho, defeated Bilal Muhammad. Uh, this one might is going to fly under a lot of radars, but I think is a perfectly acceptable fight. And you know, again, it's going to be a pretty good one, I think. I'm leaning towards Neal. I don't like picking against Price all that often, but I don't know, man. I, I like Neal, and Price's chin tends to be up there to be hit. Um, Olivier Obama Mercier will fight Armin Sarukian. Sarukian had some really fun uh, wrestling exchanges in his UFC debut. Because he fought someone. He fought another debutante. And. I remember being surprised because they had some really great, like, kind of traditional wrestling exchanges. Um Suruk- oh, lost to Makachev. That was it. It was Surukhin and Makachev. But he was able to kind of keep pace with Makachev in a lot of the scrambles. Boy, that is a rough stretch, man. You fight Islam Makachev in your UFC debut and then move on to fight Olivier Obama mercier <laughs> That's rough. That is a rough two-fight stretch. I look forward to some of the again some of the wrestling uh, scrambles that are going to take place in that fight but I have to pick Oban Mercier there. I need a I need a reason to pick against him and I have had it the last couple of fights but I don't really think I have it here. This seems like they're pitching him a fight to kind of make him look good. And then Marc Andre Berio will fight Christoph Yotko. Um Berio had his UFC debut. Did he win? No, he lost to Andrew Sanchez. Don't really remember that fight. I try to forget most Andrew Sanchez fights. They're not interesting. Um, Yatko, sadly, one of those guys who showed promise but looks like he's not going to pan out. I mean, he's coming off of a win over Alan Emadowski, but that broke a three fight losing streak. And two of those, he got knocked out after doing well. I mean, uh, he did well against Uriah Hall in the first round, gassed himself out, got finished. Did okay against Brad Tavares, but slowed down the stretch and got finished. Um, not entirely sure who I'm going to pick here. I'm going to go with Yotko, but eh, I don't know. Might be foolish of me. All right, then on the prelims, Alexis Davis will fight Viviane Araujo. That's not a bad fight, actually. Um, Ujo seven and one. I think she's fought in the UFC. Yeah, she beat Toledo Bernardo. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, she was. She looked smaller because she normally fights. She took that fight up at. Um, it was at least up at bantamweight. What event was that at? The uh, UFC 237. Yeah, because she fought up at that was one of the first, the first fight of the night, and yeah, she that took place up at bantamweight, and she normally fights at like (laughs) strawweight, and so yeah, and Alexis Davis is kind of a known quantity at this point. I'm actually, I think, gonna lean towards Ujo here. Uh, Davis is on a two-fight losing streak, and I don't know. I mean. Years and miles, Father Time beats everybody eventually. Um, Hakeem Dawuidu gets another gimme because the UFC likes him. Um, yeah, Dalwadu's two and uh, two and one in the UFC. He debuted and lost to Danny Henry. They gave him Austin Arnett, who should not be in the UFC, and I don't think is anymore. Then he kind of eked by Kyle Botniak. Now he is fighting Yoshinori. Ho- I'm going to... I cannot remember how this guy's last name is pronounced. Um, Jorge? Jorge? I, I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Who hasn't... This is his UFC debut. And, again, this is kind of... They're kind of pitching Dow to do some softballs because they want him to look spectacular. Um, Gavin Tucker returns for the first time since Rick Glenn obliterated him. that was I said my piece on that if you're not familiar with the, the UFC 215 fallout from that Rick Glenn fight feel free to go into the archives and look up what I had to say I stand by everything I said there but that was September of 2017 so been a while and in fairness his jaw was broken in like three places I mean he got abused in that fight now he's fighting syung Wu Choi, who is another debutante, I believe. Nope, nope. Choi lost to Movsar Evloev, uh, UFC on ESPN plus seven. Uh, this is kind of a get-well fight for Gavin Tucker to see if he's able to uh, kind of rebound. We have a flyweight fight. An increasing scarcity. Oh, can I just say, Dana White saying that no Henry Cejudo will absolutely defend the flyaway title before defending the bantamweight title. Hilarious. We all know it's not happening, bud. Um, Alexandre Pantoja and Davison Figueroa. Good fight. Um, Pantoja coming off of that. He's in a three-fight winning streak. Geez. Uh, and Figueiredo lost to uh, Formiga. But. Those two were... That's a pretty solid fight. I kind of lean towards Figueiredo a little bit there because I, I don't think Pantoja has the same wrestling that uh, Formiga was able to use to kind of negate a lot of what Figueiredo does, so... But looking forward to that. Then on Fight Pass, we have Jillian Robertson versus Sarah Froda. Uh, Froda, 9-1. and one, Has fought in the UFC... Yeah, oh, she's that very, very tall fighter who lost to so- to uh, Olivia Hanata-Souza. Terrible facial tattoos on her. Uh, Robertson, 6-3. and three. Um, This seems, again, like they're kind of trying to pitch Robertson a little bit of a softball here. Um, Eric Koch will fight Kyle Stewart. Eric Koch back in the house. Good for him, sort of. Um, Stewart lost to Chance Rencounter in his UFC debut. Again, they're giving the Canadian... uh, Coke's not Canadian, but there's a lot of kind of pseudo-mismatches here. I mean, Coke's on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Clay Guida. He lost to Bobby Green. He's trying his hand up at Welterweight now. Geez, remember when he was supposed to be a guy at Featherweight? He was supposed to fight, uh... He was scheduled to fight Jose Aldo a couple of times. And that just fell through for various reasons. And he just, you know, fizzled out at featherweight, moved up to lightweight, did okay for a bit. Uh stopped doing okay for a bit, now he's trying welterweight. I'll go with Coke because he tends to do okay in these types of fights, but I don't know. Then kicking everything off, we have a heavyweight fight because God hates me between Tanner Bowser. And uh, Como Lemos. Uh, Lemos undefeated from Brazil. Um, making his UFC debut. I'm pretty sure Bozier is as well. Yeah. Um, coming off of a win. That's a tough one. I don't know enough about either guy to make an educated decision, but I'm going to assume, again, they're kind of trying to pitch the Canadians winnable fight, so I'll go with Bozier, but might be mistaken there. Who knows? And uh, that will be UFC 240, which I will have coverage of next week in the... or this coming Saturday, rather, excuse me, in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. So stop by, say hello, always appreciated. And let's all hope for a good night of fights, because after the last couple of weeks, I could really use it. Uh, alright. You know, I've said before that the sport of MMA tends to kick me in the dick a lot. Um... <laughs> with events that just take forever, with fights that fall through, with whatever. I don't think any long-term fan of MMA has a very healthy relationship with the sport. It tends to be more on the abusive side. And we're all the abusees. But every now and then, you get stuff that makes you go, yes, this, this is why. And I've had a few of those recently. Some some of it has been fights that just radically overperform. I mean, good lord, again, Adesanya and Gastelum, what a fight, just, oh, if you can't get out of your seat during that fight, if that doesn't, if that doesn't get your blood pumping a little bit faster, if you don't get some goosebumps, especially in the fifth round of that fight, after everything that's happened in that, oh, I don't know, this isn't the sport for you, I guess, some of it has been fights that get made that I've just really wanted to see, like, Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone, and then, you know, the fight largely, delivers, up until Cerrone blows his nose and (laughs) destroys his eye. But there was another fight announced this week that's one that I've wanted to see for a long time now. I've said in the past, in fact when, when uh, when half of these fighters got brought into the UFC, I said it's a shame we won't get this fight because one of them wasn't in the weight class anymore. But headlining UFC... Uh they're in Vancouver. Let me find the specific event. Uh Fight Night 158, uh, the UFC on ESPN plus 16. Your headliner for that event is going to be Donald Cerrone and Justin Gagey. And oh yes. Just who can who can be upset about this? Those two maniacs are going to try to kill each other, and it's going to be great. Um, I'm just going to kind of bask in the—I kind of bask in the glory of that. Like they announced that fight, and I think I said I'm going to go weep for joy now, because I real this is one of those fights that I said I really want to see Cowboy and Gagey throw down, because. Two high paced, all action, all violence fighters. Like, of course I want this. Of course you want this. You're listening to this show. You are. If you're listening to this show, you're a deep fan of MMA. And you have to be salivating. uh, You have to be as jazzed about this as I am. Maybe not exactly as jazzed as I am, but pretty darn. Like, this is right up my alley. I am so happy this fight got made. Um, from an actual technical perspective, I saw, I think, I think it was Jack Slack who said, you had the best take, uh, you know, uh, which was, (laughs) I wonder how Donald Cerrone will deal with a pressure fighter this time. Um, (laughs) which, from a purely technical perspective, is true. Um, Gagey doesn't dip into a lot of the intercepting knees that Cerrone is used to kind of try and keep pressure fighters off of him. And Gagey's pressure is very much measured. He's, Despite the fact that he gets into these kind of crazy fights, if you look at a lot of the, kind of the in-between, the substance of a lot of that fu- those fights, he'll get into the wild exchanges and he'll brawl on occasion. But he's not really... Again, his pressure isn't wild so much as just relentless and controlled until you get into a, an exchange, be that short or prolonged. And S- Cerrone struggles with that. It's not something that he... It's not impossible for him to overcome it. But it is something he has struggled with. And I kind of like Gagey's chances. Again, Cerrone might be able to train very specific for Justin Gagey and Uh, find a few, again, avenues of attack and a few habits that he can kind of work with, but I like Gagey's chances. Uh, Again, Cerrone just doesn't deal well with the type of pressure that Gagey brings. Again, if you're just kind of the shoot from the outside or try to explode through distance guy, Cerrone has tools to deal with that. If you're the kind of... I, I hate to quote Jack Slack again, but the real the real value of pressure fighters like Gagey, like Dosanjo, like RDA, it's not the punches they throw, it's the punches they don't. That's what really kind of gets you. And I think that's just a style that Cerrone has struggled with. And I, I, I like Gagey's chances, but I don't really care who wins. I just want to watch the glorious bloodshed that's going to come our way after that fight because... Oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> I I genuinely cannot wait for that fight. If you're in Vancouver and you have the opportunity to go see that in person, you, you guys are spoiled. Uh, I mean, some of that's just the value of living in a major city that the UFC tries to frequent, but that is a great fight. Go see that fight, if at all possible. Uh, all right. What else? Um, oh, I suppose I should bring this up a little bit. Um, Tiago Santos. We got a few minor updates on his condition after the John Jones fight. Apparently, he tore everything in his left knee. Uh, ACL, PCL, MCL. That's the anterior... So, the anterior cruciate ligament, the median cruciate ligament, the posterior cruciate ligament. Meniscus, just... Every bit of connective tissue in his left knee, uh, he tore it. He had double knee surgery. I think he had two rounds of it. Um, Again, one to repair the majority of the damage. Then he had some meniscus tears cleaned up on his left. And then on his right, there was another ligament. I forget which one. And then the meniscus in his right knee as well. Um, Yeah, given, you know, in all fairness, I mean, the man was a paratrooper. That those people take a lot of abuse to their knees, but given his age, given all that, this is the kind of injury coming out of a fight that can severely hamper careers, if not end them, especially at the very highest level. So, something to bear in mind as he goes through the recovery process. All of his surgeries seem to have gone well, at least, so there is that. All right, and... Lastly, this is a week or so old, this news, and... It's a weird one, but the Chinese... I, I, excuse I need to see if I can find the specific... What the name is of this organization, because whatever Chinese... Whatever the governing body for China in MMA... Um, they had a... They've had a now ruling that you are not, if you are an MMA fighter in China, you are not allowed to have visible tattoos. Now I don't know if you guys have looked at a lot of uh, MMA fighters, but there's a lot of ink, a lot of bad ink in some cases, but there's some good ink. I mean, Megan Anderson has some really beautiful black and gray work, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, people like Connors ink. And if you're into, you know, kind of the American traditional style, Connor has some some nice pieces on him. But, yeah, apparently, so if you have... uh, No tattoos allowed. Yeah, fighters, if you... uh, This comes from uh, Phuket Top Team. You have to wear rash guard uh, or tape over your tattoos. um, Which causes some problems. (laughs) Again, there's a lot of people with a lot of ink and fighting in a full rash guard for especially for you know people who have full sleeves um that opens up a lot of problems i mean we've seen a, a lot of uh, female fighters fight with uh, if they're allowed to depending on the rule set because technically the new rules do not really allow for um like the full shirt they really want uh, either a tank top or just a sports bra kind of configuration but you've seen some of the fighters that have, you know, the full, you know, kind of shirt. And it it hasn't caused tremendous problems yet, but it has caused a few. You know, your fingers can get caught up in it. Uh, just, it's better in a lot of respects uh, to just, you know, much as this might sound weird, it's, it's largely better to not compete you need know, to compete with as little cover-up as possible for a lot of situ, for certain scenarios. I mean, again, certain grappling tournaments mandate the rash guard at this point, uh, you know, the full, like, wrist-to-ankle, uh, or at least, you know, uh, tops and bottoms, and then whether or not you like, you know, short-sleeve or long-sleeve is a matter of personal preference. But that's because of, you know, a very that's because it's all very grappling-heavy and a lot of jiu-jitsu-centric stuff in MMA you know someone like Darren Elkins would have to fight with a shirt on and don't get me wrong i hate his chest tattoo it's awful and i'd be happy not to see it but it does it does change elements of combat and this is mostly now this is largely relevant to the UFC because their main event for their next card in China features Jessica Andrade who has uh, her right arm, I think her shoulder, part of her bicep is tatted up. Uh, not not garishly, but very visible ink. Uh, there's a lot of female fighters that just have, uh, you know, Claudia Gadelia, who has uh, kind of like a, the uh, half of her back done. It's like the, the I can't remember if it's on a right or the right or left side of her spine, but she has the uh, I think I kind of like the cherry blossom thing going on there. Uh, and then, again, that's just women, you know, if you consider all all the men that have a lot of ink, it's a pretty big limiting factor now some of this is some of this is partially cultural. um in Japan and china uh extensive you know, tattooing generally, especially extensive tattooing has a lot of con- has a lot of connection to organized criminal elements. again, in Japan that'd be the yakuza in China, various triads um uh, they tattoo themselves. As just part of you know, that, uh, it's kind of similar to the, you know, the Russian one where they tend to carry specific meaning, so that you're recognizable kind of thing. So I, I can loosely understand elements of the cultural thing, but I mean, in Japan, I, I'm taking you know, anecdotal evidence here, but a lot of gyms, not all of them obviously, but a lot of them, like if you had ink when you were training, you'd you know tape it up and cover it up as a sign of kind of, you know, they, they just weren't really down with, you know, showing a lot of ink. Um, I mean, uh, Kid Yamamoto's gym obviously didn't carry that stigma. And was probably part of the reason it developed some of the success that it did, because he uh, very much liked his tattoos. But, the Chinese Authority um, has, yeah, apparently... They've, I mean, they've also banned um, various elements of, like, hip-hop culture and actors if they have tattoos from appearing on television because, hey, China, it's just, you know, socialist dictatorship. And they're very deeply... China's so weird, man. They've gone through extensive lengths in many respects to destroy their own culture. But there's that there's that Chinese MMA fighter who's getting all sorts of crap for proving that you know old kung fu masters aren't really equipped to fight. Ugh, so so bizarre. But yeah, apparently the top the country's top media regulator, the State Administration of Press of Press Publication, Radio, Film and Television of the People's Republic of China. Boy, that's a heck of an initialization. Now specifically requires that programs should not feature actors with tattoos. Uh, it goes on a little bit about again hip hop culture or subculture more specifically, but that's a real that's a real interesting thing, and how that's going to relate to the UFC's events there, because the UFC is spending time and money in China. They're building a performance institute there. They've been trying to crack that market for a while. And apparently elements of the Chinese government just aren't interested, man. That's because, again, think about all the fighters with ink. A lot of them. And a lot of them have extensive tattoos. You know, you, we're not talking about guys with, you know, a small one just on the shoulder or whatnot that, okay, fine, you slap some tape over it. Those guys with, you know, full-on back pieces, chest pieces, stuff on the neck... I mean, Cody Garbrandt can now never fight in China. I don't know what you'd do about his neck tattoo. I genuinely don't. And... Anyone with really extensive leg tattoos, back pieces... Um, I mean, Song Yudong has one on his calf. And he's kind of poised to be the next big guy in China for the UFC. And... I don't know, man. It's just, I mean, for God's sake, GSP has some tattoos. Not extensive ones. But he's got that one on his chest. He's got uh, the fleur de lis on his calf. Um, you know, Max Holloway, Tony Ferguson, both have extensive back pieces. Frankie's got one of his arms almost completely done, if not both of them. I can't recall specifically. Uh, you know, John's got some tattoo. John Jones has some tattoo work. I mean, not a lot, but he's got the uh, the scriptural uh, the Philippians uh, reference on his chest and shoulder. It's just... That's a weird one. That's going to be some weird waters to navigate if the UFC really wants to keep going in China. So, something to pay attention to. That's going to fly under a lot of radars, but that's a potential uh, major hurdle depending on how much leniency the UFC is able to get or buy from the government there. All right, but I think that's it. Let me for news. Let me uh, refresh Twitter one more time here. Ugh, I can't be the only one who just really does not like the new Twitter setup. It's not at all how I, not at all to my personal taste. I mean, I I'll I'll adapt, and I'll this isn't a get off my lawn. I'm an old man. I mean, I hate change generally, so don't get me wrong about that. But I don't know, not really my favorite. kind of go... Not really my favorite setup they have going there, but nothing new looks like it is broken, so let's go ahead and set up to get out of here, then. Really short show this week. Alright, um... This Tuesday, myself, Mark Radelich, and Alexis Haina will be reviewing Disney's uh, Lion King. The entirely cgi monstrosity that apparently no one likes... But it's making a lot of money. I um, haven't seen it yet. We'll see it Tuesday. I reserve judgment, of course, until I've seen the movie. But I have not found anyone really saying anything all that positive about the movie. So <laughs> that's something. Uh, next, I think next week will be the airing of the source material that I'll be guest spotting on. Uh, more of details next week for that, obviously. And, oh, because of the time that this UFC event ended, I was able to do some alternate commentary for Pacquiao versus Thurman last night with Mark Radlich and Pat Mullen, uh, which was a decent fight. Um, Look, that judge that gave that fight to Thurman, Glenn Freeman, Feldman, something like that, that might be the worst judge in boxing or all of combat sports. He gave that fight to Thurman, including the knockdown that Thurman suffered in the first round. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, he gave Ward versus Kovalev to Ward. He gave one of the fights between Canelo and Golovkin to Canelo. Like, this guy just sucks. Uh, just a terrible judge. At this point, it's a terrible, terrible judge of combat sports. So you can find that if you're interested over on the and Broadcasting Network. Next week I'll be back here to review UFC 240 and preview. Make sure the timing's right on that. Yeah, we will be previewing UFC on ESPN 5, uh, headlined by Colby Covington and Robbie Lawler. That event also features Jim Miller versus Clay Guida, which is a good fight. Why is there? Oh God kicking off that card is going to be Darko Stoyzich and Kennedy and Chukwu. Why? Just why? That is such a terrible fight. Ugh, I'm just pissed now. Anyway, we'll have a full preview of that event next week. I hope you'll come back. Jeff should be back by then for all you fans of Jeff Harris. Uh, Again, he's working at Comic-Con, so hopefully everything goes well for him there. It's been going well so far. And, again, please feel free to interact with this content any way you like. Again, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, give us a review. Whatever you think we're worth. If you think we're worth the two stars, give me a two-star review if that's the materi- if that's the methodology of interaction that you're working with. If you're on YouTube and you don't really want to give a thumbs up, give me a comment, man. Whatever it t- what, uh, just Again, try not to be just pointlessly obscene, but interact with the product a little bit uh again follow for the uh for Larry Zonka's wrestling related stuff We that with Jeremy Lambert or Steve Cook the 411 interview series that Jeff that uh, Jeff Harris does uh, so you know, please however you found this you know uh it's not iTunes anymore isn't it it's Apple Music uh Google Play Spotify Spreaker YouTube whatever I don't care however you found it Interact a little bit. Share us with your friends if you think they're interested in some of the content we provide. That is always appreciative and deeply, deeply helpful. Until next week, thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Winfrey. Stay safe out there and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.